Hello, Josebo. Ni hao. Welcome to Planet of the Climates. POTK is a climate owl podcast, bringing you the latest information and insight into the world of climate action. Klima is a blockchain protocol backed by carbon credits that gives people a chance to fight climate change as a collective. My name is Phaedrus, and I'll be your host on this adventure. I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Rekuman. All right, so today we're reconnecting with our friend Oxymoron. Let's jump right into it. So today we're excited to welcome back our friend Oxymoron to the show. We first chatted with Oxy back uh, last April. So he's one of our Climate Core founding members and definitely a font of wisdom on everything from carbon credits, carbon markets, sustainability. But we don't want to rehash that previous discussion. We're hoping to really explore more recent developments and, you know, perhaps jump into a little bit of big picture discussion on, you know, the how and the why we've found ourselves facing these issues around the climate crisis and the solutions we're working on. So Oxy, welcome back to the show. Curious, you know, what's changed since that last time we chatted last April for you? Yeah, wow. I didn't actually realize it was last April that we spoke as well. I mean, a lot has changed in that period, right? Last April with Lawn, we were assembling our kind of product team, starting to develop a retirement aggregator, develop out cleaner entity. So last April was kind of the beginning of this process we've been on for the past 10 months where we've been developing useful products so that people can come in and leverage climate out for themselves. And since then, it's really been changing tact and thinking about the demand side of the carbon market. So what a year it's been. Definitely has not been a boring year there at all. And I think our conversation being in April, that was, you know, shortly before Vera's halting the bridging. We've had some journeys in exploring things in terms of our Klima DAO, you know, governance and decentralization as a DAO. Any reflections on some of those developments there that have changed? Yeah. On the tokenization piece, now I guess we're kind of still in the same position we were coming up to a year ago. That said, I think we're probably much better prepared for having those conversations i think we've got various channels into different organizations involved in the carbon markets uh, i think we've got a very strong and clear value proposition now about what we can do for the carbon market so no firm movement but actually i think it, within the next few months we'll have a lot more clarity around the kind of registries that we work with before as well as these kind of new new type of registries so yeah i think I think that's going to be an exciting kind of area of our work over the first or the next kind of quarter uh, for us. Just kind of related to your, your second point around the DAO decentralization. I think people are starting to kind of get it, should we say. Maybe at the time when we launched, DAOs were still very novel, weren't they? And, and they didn't really have real world use cases, they were confined to DeFi confined to crypto i think the refi movement in general has been a pretty powerful signal to the rest of the world around what can be done here and yeah we're still going through our kind of experimentation process we're still figuring ourselves out don't deny that but at the same time i think we're understanding ourselves and we're coming up with ideas and, and solutions for our own situation i think we're getting good at managing the things within our boundary i think we're getting good at interacting with the things on the edges of our boundaries, you know, whether that's in refi or whatever, it's that boundary with the outside world, with the non-crypto world, with the non-blockchain world that we're still trying to work towards or work through. So yeah, lots of efforts have been going into developing our messaging and developing relationships, I guess, educating non-Web3 people about what it is that DAOs can bring. We had our, our on-site webinar series kick off 
you know, part of that, of course, is trying to get people to use our technology because we want it to be used. But there's a bigger picture there as well, which is there's not much knowledge, not much research around DAOs. And given that we're, I suppose, a prominent one, or at least a prominent one within our space, probably on us to tell that story and demonstrate why it's valuable. So working on that pretty hard at the moment, I think it's going to be a theme throughout the year. We're already seeing people reach out to us and research into us. I suspect we're going to keep doing that and keep offering our time and energy to have that conversation. Really interesting. And we've talked about how, you know, some of these players in the refi space or the DeFi space have dropped the DAO part of their governance, at least in name, if not in practice. I just want to float by you or see your thoughts there too. I mean, this idea around decentralized autonomous organization, is there this gold standard of what that means that we're all striving for? Or is that model of the perfect DAO kind of a a mirage on the horizon. I think maybe it's being dropped in a general sense because things are tough out there. Maybe organizations are having to lean up, focus on their strength, not take what might be perceived to be a risk from the perspective of an organizational structure. You know, and in addition to that, yeah, there isn't really a definition of what decentralization is within the context of an organization. I know MakerDAO with the end game have set a bit of a marker down around what it could look like. And maybe the definition is starting to become clearer, but even still, it's not quite bad. So yeah, it's acknowledgement that part of the work that you're doing is experimentation and maybe people don't feel like they can kind of do that experimentation right now. But at the same time, it's an interesting competitive advantage for an organization, right? You're able to attack things differently, think about things differently. And hopefully, again, we can kind of set an example as to how that can be good and how we can kind of leverage the opportunities. Definitely. I think that the way DAOs are working right now has definitely changed the way we look at ownership and decision making in the current digital age. I want to draw the attention to the recent KIP 32, improved cook stoves for refugees in Bangladesh. And I think that was a really good experiment because, you know, it was a new frontier for us, you know, talking about financing for carbon. And this is a great proposal to showcase to the market that uh, we are setting the benchmark of what ReFi is going to be in this digital world. What do you think the future is going to be like? And uh, what could be the possible impacts you think they'll have on like traditional organizations? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the collaboration with SCB Group is very interesting, very innovative. I think going back to that point I was making before, like in some ways, we're kind of like an open source project. Our code can be forked, can be used. And then in other ways, we're different, aren't we? Like the SCB proposal demonstrates how, you know, user-centric decision-making can like direct capital towards something and, you know, really do something highly innovative in a way that wouldn't happen in an open source software project. So just making that distinction around what it might mean to be a DAO and be a pure open source project. But there's these kind of like concentric circles at KlimaDAO, isn't there? There's like the DAO itself and and the things that we can directly influence and directly work on and directly improve and manage. There's the periphery of the DAO where we're interacting at the moment primarily with with ReFi and and some off-chain institutions and entities and then there's the kind of things that are way out of our kind of world that we may need to or want to integrate with or influence or communicate with in the future. I think what the SCB group thing is, is us very much managing and, and doing what we can, you know, internally, with, directly within our ability, something that's within our gift. And yeah, we need to keep looking at how we operate 
and how we achieve what we need to achieve and leverage things that we can leverage. So like the DAO governance mechanism, the, the community feedback that we can get hold of and pool of knowledge that the community hold can help direct what we do and help define our next steps. And that's exactly what we did with SCP. I think we're demonstrating how a DAO can allocate resource as well as how Plima DAO itself can develop liquidity for on-chain carbon. I think this is a great example of what can be done. And yeah, I hope there's some inspiration in refi space and then maybe we can find some collaborators because of that kind of experimentation that we've taken. And I hope Carbon Projects understands the, the role that DAOs could play because of that experimentation. And hopefully it's not the last experiment, right? This is one good idea that came. And I think that's one of the benefits of what we're up to, the, the kind of flexibility and ability to innovate and tap into the knowledge within that community. I think that's the true power of a DAO, which is, you know, the flexibility and able to adapt. We're very collaborative and looking forward to see more and more such things happening. Let's just switch gear a little bit and talk about something that just happened, something that I was really excited about, which is Onset. Tell us a little bit more about the first webinar that we actually hosted on the digital carbon markets. Yeah. So I think the webinars were conceived in like a pretty informal kind of strategy product marketing call that we've got set up on Wednesday afternoons where we kind of talk about what's going on, what should we be doing, what we're doing well, what we're doing badly. And there was definitely a, a willingness or a desire for us to be able to talk more directly to organizations and demonstrate the relevance of what it is that we're building. I think it's been quite tough for us to kind of demonstrate what we're building and talk to the wider market historically. You know, I think when people have spoken on our behalf, characterized what we're building in the way that we'd want to portray it, that was kind of where it came from. How can we start communicating directly with the market? And so we said, why don't we just host some webinar sessions and like, let's talk to people ourselves about what we think they might want to know about, not just KlimaDAO, but the space as a whole. So we did it. We came up with the idea in maybe November. The marketing team then kind of got behind it and really helped amplify the initiative. And then we had the first session on Tuesday. And I think it was really good. The first step for this was to develop a bit of a foundational level of knowledge around the role of public blockchains, as well as the KlimaDAO ecosystem for the voluntary carbon market. And then moving forwards, the sessions will be a bit more practical you know, talking about how you can actually use this technology, whether you're on the supply side of the market, you've got carbon credits and you want to find a company for those carbon credits or whether you're a demand aggregator and, you know, you think that the supply on chain is interesting and, and could be used to reduce transaction fees or to provide a more transparent user experience or any of those kind of things. So we're going to move into the practical. Really what we need to do is we need to take things in, into our own hands. I think we've got really interesting technology here. But that technology is not going to get used if people don't understand it. So it's a big part of our work. And as I said, education is probably going to be a key theme this year. And let's go at it and see how we can help people understand what it is that we're building. And then they can decide if it's relevant once they actually understand it. I totally agree with you. Like Education is key. And there's a lot of like echo chambers in the market. But like for us to come out here and you know, create this webinar that's about educating people who are interested in the space to understand it better and see where we stand and what's our direction. I think that was perfectly executed in my 
Yeah, the whole echo chamber idea too. I think that's always a, a risk, but I just love some of these stats that wrote there about this first onset. Just under 60% of the attendees have actually never interacted with the digital carbon market. So we are reaching and expanding beyond our core users right now. So it's just great to see. I think there's a real opportunity for some organizations to leverage what's happening in Web3, right? It might require business model innovation. Uh, this is new technology. Again, in our case, it's infrastructure for the carbon markets. There's other examples of DeFi being used elsewhere. I think Project Nightfall, right? This one by between a kind of collaboration between EY and Polygon using some DeFi tools to provide instant settlement, you know, reduce transaction costs for financial institutions. So this technology is maturing and it will take some getting used to for the people who aren't deep into it. It's obviously very technical. Some of the stuff we get into, a lot of the stuff that we work on requires you to have deep understanding, of, you know, consensus mechanisms, smart contracts and liquidity pools and all this sort of stuff. Once people can kind of go up that learning curve, there's real opportunities to build on top of it and do interesting things that people haven't done before. You know, commercially, there's opportunities, of course, if you can develop interesting business models, you know, you can stand to be commercially successful. But there's also opportunities to, in our case, you know, improve transparency, improve the benefit for consumers, improve the benefit for project developers. And this is the case across the space. I think why ReFi is so relevant is probably because you've had this wave of entrepreneurs coming in and immediately start doing that and developing new business models on, on top of what Climate has built. And that'll cascade across Web3. And I think it is at that point where you start legitimate scale and adoption, right? When you kind of have people building on top of it and, and doing new things. So yeah, exciting times. I wonder if it's because climate change is maybe a, an area where younger people are, are really starting to commit time and effort to and want careers in that space so maybe you've got a kind of a group of younger people coming through who are maybe also have a bit more disposed to to want to understand blockchain or, or work with blockchain and maybe that's quite shining through i'm sure there'll be other there'll be other kind of uh in market segments that, that also start to lead the charge around here as well yeah, definitely. I think what you're alluding to there with this generation is kind of like the why. Like, why do people get excited about or passionate about or feel the urgency to take action on climate change and dig into the solutions here in Web3 world? Bringing our discussion to that bigger purpose of our work here. And one of the things that you and I, or I know several people in the Discord on Klima have been chatting about was this idea of the tragedy of the commons. And that's been you know discussed at length. And we've got folks like Eleanor Ostrom, I believe, who won an economics uh, Nobel Prize for that several years back. I'm curious, would you like to introduce that concept for our listeners? And maybe we can you know explore just a little bit about how that might have influenced the early days and the, the why behind Klima. Absolutely. And kind of topical, right? We've had a few of these academic publications, or academic articles, I should say. It's a particularly interesting one around called, I think it was the governance of the refi ecosystem and how that's relevant for the voluntary carbon markets as a common resource. And that applied some of Ostrom's frameworks to refi as a whole, which is cool to see because that was a concept that we spoke about a lot before the launch. Eleanor Ostrom herself did this work around common pool resources so when you've got a shared resource that's you know required for social and economic reasons they can sometimes be mismanaged and so she kind of analyzed a number of these resources and demonstrated how decentralized communities are able to self-manage and self-regulate without capitalist incentives or without 
regulation or, or government oversight. And, you know, there's examples of some common pool resources, CPRs, that have kind of sustained for hundreds of years in super vulnerable or, or fragile environments. But through kind of self-governance, they've managed to become quite resilient. She's got examples of fisheries and small lakes, management of water resources in an arid climate. You know, it's has got loads of great examples. And I think the prisoner's dilemma is the kind of conceptual framework that's used to talk about why common pool resources are so hard to manage. Because if you've got people who might be rational people, but are they able to coordinate with themselves or with each other for mutual reward? Or do they kind of pursue individual reward without considering the consequences? And that coordination idea that Ostrom talks about a lot is where we were coming from with Klimadao at first. And as part of the answer of the Wyadao question, climate change is inherently a coordination problem. Runaway greenhouse gas emissions are an example of a mismanaged common pool resource. People are burning fossil fuels for social, economic reasons, but that's essentially destroying the lives of, of other people on a macro scale. But it's also local, right? I was reading this morning about the smog in Mongolia. This place is heavy dependency on coal. They haven't got much forest there at all. Climate change is just inherently tied to this coordination failure piece. So yeah, it's an interesting topic. I mean, I know we're kind of getting quasi-academic here too with this idea of, you know, behavioral economics and decision-making when you've got uncertainty, how these resources are managed collectively and we're making decisions quite often individually in our own self-interest for better or for worse and historically quite often for worse. But what Ostrom is bringing forward is this idea that there are ways that we can optimize how we govern these shared pooled resources, right? Yeah, exactly. And she demonstrates how common resources are effectively governed. The biggest example in terms of scale that she uses is the like water table somewhere in California. There's a scarce amount of water. There's not enough to go around, basically. And some of the water table are under threat of being salinized if they go too low and then the ocean water would come in and basically we'd be able to use them. And so at that city scale, they eventually found a framework that kind of works for them. I guess going back to that previous point, we're still not able to coordinate at a global level when it comes to carbon emissions or greenhouse gas emissions. Because if we were able to coordinate, you know, you wouldn't read about the terrible progress of climate policy at an international level. There's a pretty regular kind of pattern in the media about how international negotiations just aren't doing what we need. So regulation has a role to play, I'm sure, but you know, many commentators don't think that regulation is playing the role that it should play or must play quick enough. I mean, that's why you have groups like Extinction Rebellion and you know, these guys who have been throwing uh, soup on Van Gogh paintings and, and stuff like that, right? So I guess that's the kind of gap that we're attempting to fill with the Dow model. People are starting to try and analyze how well we're filling that gap. I hope we can prove that we we are relevant and we, we can play a role, but it's an interesting area of experimentation. Yeah. I mean, just to, you know, close the loop or bring things back home to Klima here as well a little bit, Ostrom was talking about, you know, governance of complex economic systems. And one idea that she brought it was like this idea that we can have interdependent decision-making centers. So it's kind of tying back to the whole idea of a DAO, right? Decentralizing decision-making. But I mean, just thinking about refi here, it's not you know, Klima is the one to rule them all necessarily, but we're going to work together and there's interdependent layers that can help tackle this climate crisis here. That's where it gets interesting, right? So I was kind of saying earlier, it's in our gift to manage our own resources. 
And and I think we're doing a more and more effective job at doing that, particularly through our, our forum and our snapshot voting mechanisms. So that's good. Being part of an ecosystem is sometimes a bit more challenging, right? Kind of figure out who's doing what and how they do what and, and how you can work with one another to collaborate on the bigger picture. Definitely still needs work and it's something we're figuring out. I think in that paper that that we mentioned that covered us, the governance of refi, uh, that applied Ostrom's framework, they kind of referenced the the whole mass balancing piece of the, the NCT token. Um, quote unquote high quality carbon credits were, were taken from the, the base carbon sample to provide liquidity in, in the NCT, the, the nature carbon sample. And that was kind of a unilateral action. Once you can, Klimadao wasn't made aware of that, you know, and, and perhaps that's because if, if Klimadao wanted to execute on that publisher, you know, ask permission from the community because we're a DAO, then maybe it would have got front run. Maybe front running wouldn't have even been bad. That would have just been the market sorting itself out, arguably. But, you know, being in a polycentric system requires time. And I guess, you know, to, to that point, example in California where they managed to figure out how to manage the, the scarce resource in, in terms of the water availability, it did take time and it did take conflict. It did take tension. But eventually they self-regulated and, and created a system that, that worked for them. And so maybe refi can jiggle around a bit probably for a few more years and, and kind of find an efficient self-regulating system. It's going to be interesting. It's, it's nice to see the research about us coming out today and kind of establishing a perspective on what's happening. Really interesting to see what happens over the next few years and, and kind of how we look back at these events and, and the relevance and the importance. The desire for us, of course, is that these events are going to one day be a watershed moments on how we fix the carbon markets or how we close the emissions gap or you know these kind of things and and they'll be really relevant examples of this technology doing good work so we have spoken a lot about what has happened before you know with a DAO world or decentralized work what are the upcoming big picture trends they are really excited about yeah for me i think continuing along this track of the ecosystem kind of shaking itself out and seeing what sticks and seeing what doesn't stick will be really interesting and that point i mentioned earlier about the development of new technology and new business models i think it'll be super interesting i think we don't quite know what a market looks like if it leverages the sort of technologies that we're building think given the nature of our technology you know public open source transparent efficient that might reduce the ability for businesses that, that establish their moat through proprietary systems it might be harder for them to maintain their moat it might be easier for them to be disintermediated so it'd be really interesting to see how what we're building impacts the kind of commercial reality of, of different markets so i'm not really able to, to speculate on that too well but I think it might lead to a step change. And I think that step change will hopefully lead to some more efficiency through systems. The carbon market is held up as a great example of a highly inefficient market. So yeah, just seeing how all that shakes out over the next few years will be really interesting. Definitely last year attending the Singapore FinTech Festival, for the first time they actually had sort of like refi space where they talk a lot about you know carbon credits and carbon markets as well it was something that it has never happened in the last few years and i'm really excited to see you know how this space is going to evolve in the next few years now that we talk about the big trends but what's next like what are you working on unlocking supply will be massive but more importantly unlocking the supply that we have 
for the market and to let that supply be consumed is is huge for us. So I hope within the next sort of six months or so, we've got that whole system opened up. We've got people using what we've built to consume carbon credits, which is the whole point of them. And we've got that connection right direct through to project developers doing the, the good work on the ground, like the SCB group project with the Rohingya refugees in, in Bangladesh. And I hope we've got that full system operational very soon. And that's what we're working towards. But as I said earlier, to achieve that, we've got to work hard to talk with the right people in the market to make that happen. And that is a lot of what we're doing right now. Consistent engagement and high quality communication. So it's looking exciting. Look at it from a different perspective. You know, when the whole bridging was paused, people thought, oh, you know, it's dead, it's not going to move. But interestingly, it's the same time where we built the most exciting stuff makes so much sense and this idea that we've you know kept our head down and kept on building as a team throughout this macro headwinds we've got crypto headwinds we've got the various stuff lots of stuff going on there but we've kept our head down kept on working it does come back to this fact that you know we've got a great team and our, our why has not changed the problem that we're trying to solve the way we're trying to solve it our confidence that we're onto something with a solution here or at least a, a part of the solution hasn't changed that why is still there yeah absolutely entrepreneurs or, or innovators fundamentally you need to have super high conviction in what it is that you're doing if you don't have a super high conviction you'll lose faith you'll lose focus and and you'll stop doing what you're doing and then you'll fail i guess something specific to the klima team and i'm, I'm sure all other successful DAOs is is that degree of conviction that we're solving a very important problem as well as the mechanisms we've put in place to help solve that problem are the right ones and i think that's kind of where we are as a team you know, if you talk with the policy team about how we're set up to deal with what's coming soon and are we set up to deal with what's coming soon, the answer is yes. You know, we're, for example, you know, one of the things that Kima really helped solve was this, this idea of fragmented liquidity within the carbon markets. And that is something that once we can resume integrating with supply, we'll be just as well suited to solve that liquidity problem and, and keep doing what, what we kind of we're doing. We need to have that conviction. I think we get a bit of a hard time sometimes for, for having that approach to things, but it's worked so far and I'm feeling pretty confident that we're doing something along the right lines. It's not perfect. Never is perfect though, is it? Whatever you set out to do. Yeah, brilliant. That's probably, yeah, maybe a good place to end it. Thanks for having me and let's go again very soon. Excellent. It was great to connect and chat once again with Oxy to have a little bit of a chance to reflect and look in that rearview mirror on where we've been with Klima, what's happened. And for you, Reiku, what was one of your key takeaways or what did you enjoy about that chat with Oxy? The key takeaway would be to see how the whole DAO decentralization has favored Klima now in a sense. To be able to see things like uh, forward carbon funding happening how decentralization is able to, to allow us to be more nimble and flexible to be able to make such quick uh, quick business decisions that are beneficial not just for the organization but also for the space itself and definitely looking forward to see more of this happening definitely i mean getting more down onto the ground and feeling that tangible impact because you know quite often with blockchain it is such a intangible idea and this fact that we're now tying that to this 
tangible real world impact on the ground with those cook stoves for refugees in Bangladesh. Really, really excited about that. And I think overall too, I just was happy to kind of geek out a little bit there with Oxy. The behavioral economics side of things there too, and the tragedy of the commons, and it's kind of a dilemma. And I think that's at the core of why we've landed where we are with the climate crisis is all these resources have traditionally fallen between the cracks, have been ignored, been neglected. Our environment, our atmosphere, what we depend on as a species to survive has been ignored and neglected and realize that that is at the core of our why of what we're working on here as a DAO, as a team. When the community comes together, you know, we can, we can do what this. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely well said. And we've had some inspiring guests here on the show in the past and great to connect these dots and realize the strength of our community here on Planet the Climates. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. As always, you can help this podcast reach even more climates by leaving a comment or a review on your favorite podcasting platform. For everything Klima, make sure you're hitting up klimadow.finance where you can find every POTK episode and most importantly, leave your very own love letter to the planet and help us fight climate change. That's it from us. We look forward to connecting with you once again on the very next Planet of the Climates.